What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Ben here on a Friday morning. We got coffee in the studio. It's uh, it's early. It's around 8 a.m. May 11th, 2018, year of our Lord. And we're going to talk about digital collectibles today. I'm really excited. Um, so how much time? How much time do we have? God, I got to train at 11. All right. So we've got a couple hours here, and uh, you guys have heard them already. I'd like to introduce you all to uh, co-founder of the Rare Prepe Foundation, Joe Looney. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'm excited to talk about this today because uh, I've been corresponding in DMs for a little bit in the last couple of months talking about digital collectibles. It's something I can't wrap my head around fully yet. Yep. Um, but you have been fully immersed in it, uh, to some extent at least, being... Uh, part of the Rare Pepe's project. We'll get into Rare Pepe's in a little bit first. We got to hear your tale. How did you get into Bitcoin? Um, I I got into it like I actually bought my first Bitcoin um, just prior to the uh, the big pump in early 2013, up to like 250 bucks. Mm-hmm. So I got in. I got interested probably like February, March when it was around a hundred dollars, and then I thought I was a genius when I when it went up to to two sixty, <laughs> then uh, then it crashed back down to a hundred, and I wasn't as smart anymore. But uh, I had heard about it probably like a year before. I remember like following just a random Twitter handle that would tweet the price, mm-hmm. but never really thought about it until I saw that tweeted price going up and up and up. So then I finally looked into it. What um what drew what drew you to it? Are you do you come from more of like an economics background, a computer science background, or? Um, I'm I'm a big fan of just the internet in general, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was kind. Of, I was actually like starting to decide whether I wanted to get into trading, like options and futures and okay. stuff like that. Um, and I remember I went to a like a seminar on on options trading because it was one of those things I. I, I really couldn't understand like like buying a put or selling a put or <laughs> buying a call like what that actually meant and so I I kind of figured it out and then by the end of the the thing I was like man this is this is crazy because these things like just slowly rot away like it, it seems like the like the craziest thing to try to like make money in and then right after that I saw Bitcoin going up I'm like well this is this is probably just as crazy but it, it's something new so maybe the ceiling's higher so. Um, and just just in general, interest in uh, just like the idea that you could have money on the internet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's pretty powerful. And <clears throat> so, what we're here to talk about is digital collectibles. You so you helped with Rare Pepe's when it was getting off the ground. So the uh, I did. So let's explain Rare Pepe's for the freaks out there that that don't understand what it is. Yeah. So uh, back up maybe a little bit and uh, talk about Counterparty. Okay. Um, so I've been involved in Counterparty since, like, right after they had their their launch, which was a burn, which was kind of mm-hmm. interesting for the time because it wasn't an ICO. People literally just burned Bitcoin to get a certain amount of XCP, which is the Counterparty token. Um, and uh, so I've always just kind of been into that, and and I I actually built a wallet, a Chrome extension wallet that's actually very similar to metamask like which is kind of funny because i did it in 2014 like prior to ethereum even launching so it's Mm -hmm. like i'm like watching that happen is like wow like like i guess it was a good idea two years ago or or like when i had it so um but i kind of went through the whole progression of like oh these these tokens would be great for like 
like tickets or they would be great for like using as like a way like like coupons or, or something like that and i i kind of like no that's stupid like no one would want to like pay transaction fees for that like mm-hmm. like like ha- having all these ideas and and eventually thinking like no like it kind of like when people first get into like crypto and see these like tokens and stuff and have all these wild imagination of like all these things they can do and and uh so i kind of went through that early on like 2014 2015 mm-hmm. and i feel like that's a cycle everybody has to go through Right. Yeah. Well. Well. It's anything with crypto, right? You come in, you're gonna you're gonna fix everything. And you're gonna, <laughs> right? you're, you have this great idea that no one, all the people here, had never thought of before. And, <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, actually, there was a project called Spells of Genesis that came out on Counterparty. Um, I think maybe late 2014, early 2015. So let's back up a second. So Counterparty yeah, yeah, acts as sort of like a second layer, on, or like how does Counter it interacts yeah, so with Bitcoin? Yeah. So like Counterparty is. Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a metal layer on top. Um, Mastercoin, which is Omni now, is kind of like the first mm-hmm. uh, protocol to, to build on top of Bitcoin. And all that really means is um, using either OpReturn, which is what uh, Counterparty uses exclusively now because it's it's big enough it, when they went from 40 to 80 bytes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can actually encode data other ways, too. Like... Um, one of the methods I used early on was uh, opcheck multisig, mm-hmm. and you basically just um, you create kind of dummy. It's a, you create one of three. Uh, it's bare multisig, so it's not P2SH, mm-hmm. um, and you create basically two dummy addresses, and you create these one of three multisig outputs, and the two dummy addresses are actually your data that you're encoding. Um, Isn't this what uh, Satoshi's coins are? Aren't they? They're not using P2SH, right? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, Object multisig is kind of like the precursor to uh, P2SH. Yeah, and it's. I mean, the reason why P2SH is way is is more efficient is it, it takes up a lot less space and um, it's actually. I think it's more like privacy centric because you don't mm-hmm. actually see the the addresses, um, the the different addresses in the multisig. Um, but it still works. I mean, I, like with Bitcoin, everything's like backwards, backwards compatible. compatible. So yeah. there were a few uh, kind of like it stopped working after one update, and it was something to do with like the the weight of like the inputs to outputs on either side. And mm-hmm. I think that got fixed. I think it works again. Um, but because Opera turns eighty bytes, you can squeeze most data into that. And and what Counterparty does is. A counterparty transaction is just a regular Bitcoin transaction with a message in the op return, and then the counterparty server basically runs Bitcoin D in the background, and then it parses every block, looks for counterparty transactions, and then builds a database from those messages. Okay. All right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So it, it's it's cool because it, it kind of like leverages the security of Bitcoin, mm-hmm. but it's still... It's a it's a weird beast. It's on it's unlike yeah, other it's, coins. It's had its ups and downs, right? Yeah, well, I I I've never been a fan. Like I never thought XCP, which is the currency, is mm-hmm. it was a good investment. Yeah. and I still don't think it is. Even though like I de- I've been I've developed on Counterparty for years <laughs> and and I use it all the time. Like because the value in Counterparty is is. Because you're leveraging Bitcoin as far as like uh, the ordering of transactions mm-hmm. and stuff like that, um, but there's nothing to stop anyone from just launching another counterparty 
and just basically doing the same thing on Bitcoin also. Mm-hmm. So it actually it like kind of gains its strength from like people more the more people that build on it, the more it makes sense to not like roll your own version. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the reasons why I'm like I would never really invest in the currency just because anybody could roll their own new counterparty right. like but it works and it really was like the first like to well mastercoin was the first but it was it's a it's a place you can build tokens and it's on bitcoin mm-hmm. it's not we didn't need ethereum token smart contracts <laughs> to, to have tokens in in crypto so are you telling me the erc 721 isn't isn't the most efficient way to do these tokens it's uh it's a, it's a different way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got through counterparty history and so how so Rare Pepe, the Rare Pepe coin started did it start as a joke between, with like June Seth and Krista Rose on on the podcast or was it more Well no, they they kind of like they they saw it develop kind of how I did mm-hmm. and then so back up a little bit just to like some more perspective on it. It was never it wasn't it wasn't a planned thing mm-hmm. um it was basically um i was talking about i mentioned spells of genesis quickly before and that was a project that created these like trading cards and they said these counterparty tokens they made equaled the trading cards and they'd have a, just a picture of a trading card and i was very skeptical at first i was like that's that's kind of weird like mm-hmm. they no they don't like they're not <laughs> they're not those things um and i actually like Right before the the genesis of Rare Pepe, maybe a month or two before, I like, I finally kind of accepted. Like I saw Spells of Genesis, it, it kind of stuck around, and I'm like, you know what? Like I think this does work. Like mm-hmm. I think I think it's okay to say that the token is the trading card, or the trading card is the token. Um, and what happened was uh, September 2016. Um, a guy named Mike, and I still only know him as Mike, um, <laughs> on Telegram, uh, posted in the Counterparty Telegram chat the first rare Pepe, and it was the uh, the Dorian Nakamoto mm-hmm. uh, yeah. rare Pepe, and um, <laughs> he posted that, and he basically said like like this is like, and he created the asset called Rare Pepe, and he goes this this is a rare Pepe. I put him up on the the decentralized exchange, which is another like very powerful aspect of Counterparty uh, that we can talk about. Um, and he just put him up there, put him up for sale, and and everybody in the chat was like, oh, this is hilarious, like these are great. And then but then everyone wanted to make their own, so everyone started registering like different like Pepe themed assets and draw like drawing their own cards and stuff. I want to get a hold of the David Seaman Pepe. Uh, yeah, I could send you one of those. <laughs> I'm also a big Pepe collector, so yeah, <laughs> practice what I preach. Um, yeah, I mean, and that was kind of um, so I built the rare Pepe wallet, mm-hmm. and that was really like the reason I did it was because I was collecting Pepe's, and I like needed a good way to like store them and 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 trade them and stuff. So uh, as much as it was something. Um, because I mean, as a developer, you like to see other people like use the thing that you made. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really I was I was building it for myself. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, the 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 way it was able to take off, I think, was because of the decentralized exchange on mm-hmm. Counterparty, which is just it's built right into the protocol, and you can put up orders to buy or sell something, and then people can match those orders on the other side. What's the GUI look like for that? Like, is it or like how's that? So. 
uh, it's actually pretty bad yeah. in Counter Wallet, which is the main like the the wallet of Counterparty, the, the original developers that that built Counterparty. That was the wallet that they had built, um, and that was one of the reasons for Rare Pepe Wallet. Mm-hmm. So um, I tried to make it as easy as possible. Um, so you it it it's really as simple as you click a button, like you go to the Pepe, you click a button that says buy sell, and it just looks like a regular order book and you you place mm-hmm. your order you see sell orders you can match them and is there like does it like the jpeg image come up on the book too where oh yeah yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. i gotta dive into this i gotta dive into rare prep yeah, yeah yeah check it out check out the wallet it's so a... let's talk about like digital like how valuable do you think like the digital collectible space can be like i i, I can't wrap my mind around it yeah so i i i wrote like a little uh medium post i've only ever written one medium post and it was <laughs> it was more just because i i felt like Everyone had their own idea of like what these things are. Like what are these? And and I I kind of see them as it's just a it's a different application of like like cryptocurrency, but it's not like cryptocurrency, it's like crypto things or like crypto goods, right? Mm-hmm. So they're like low issue and it's it's just another application of like digital scarcity, right? Mm-hmm. It's like so I can say, yeah, I have money, right? Cuz that's that's the I, I I would say that's the, of course that would be the first application of digital scarcity. But um, I really think these like collectibles and stuff like they can have staying power. I I, I don't know about the ones on Ethereum, but um, <laughs> just the just the idea in general. Well, I'm not I'm not so sure on the staying power of Ethereum. Really, why is that? I don't think it can scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. I, I see how how where they're going just just in the latest like last couple weeks the they had that big uh, like the convention thing or something yeah where they uh, did the badger dance yes yes um, <laughs> and I remember seeing slides from a presentation and it, with for governance and it, it almost it almost looks like it's turning like they want to be like where EOS is starting out. And I look at EOS as the most ridiculous project. I wrote about EOS yesterday in my newsletter. I think they're trying to like launder money. Like the way this the way their ICO is going and I I honestly I think that EOS is like one of the best ideas in the space because it takes best ideas as in like it takes the ultimate conclusion of every like security like um Basically, where you're like, oh, we don't need to be real secure in that, like part of the the chain. We don't need to be that secure here, um, and it just does it right out of the gate. It takes all those assumptions. It and- takes all those assumptions. Just you know what? Doesn't matter. You know, twenty one. We only need twenty one people to to validate this chain, <laughs> and 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 we can have governance to freeze the chain. That's it's like it's. I I see it as where Ethereum's going to end up. Okay, and it's just out of the gate. Where where it's starting, and and I don't think Ethereum can end up there without having more forks because it turned from a thing like smart contracts on a Bitcoin like chain, mm-hmm. and now it's just evolving into this like weird kind of like like governance, like not a real not a real cryptocurrency. What, I'd say I got like, I got beers with somebody last night. We were talking about like. How many like full nodes that are that are archiving the full history of Ethereum are there? Like it's hard to find that data. Yeah, I saw something the other day. It was like it's over a terabyte 
right? data or something for the and they call them they don't call them full nodes they call them archival nodes right, right? because which just suggests like you don't need to run that right, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is the whole point of this goddamn thing yeah you're supposed to be able to confirm everything yeah um not so yeah eos so they're trying to do everything out of the box and you think it's great just because it's gonna like i think it's like because like we all think we all being like Bitcoin, Bitcoin people, right? You, mm-hmm. you think Bitcoin's gonna gonna win, or it's gonna be like it is the real decentralized currency? And I see EOS as like the complete opposite of that. So it's like <laughs> it's like the perfect hedge. Like I have an EOS bag just because it's like the perfect hedge. Like if if it turns out no, we don't need any of it. Like the whole like sound money argument and all that. Just like okay, like that's that's not a real thing or whatever. <laughs> it's like which I, I I'm like pretty sure it is, but I see that as like. That is the opposite. It's the polar opposite. That is the polar opposite. Like, <clears throat> Yeah, and like EOS in particular, like again, I wrote about it. I'm pretty sure they're laundering money. They had Brock Pierce as their, as their like go-to guy for a while. That guy freaks me out. He's a weirdo. And, yeah, with his like, Crocodile Dundee outfit. Yeah. And, uh, it's, there's one thing we learned in this space. I forget who tweeted it, but somebody tweeted it. Uh, it's don't trust child actors in this space. You can't trust Rhett Creighton. <laughs> Can't trust Brock Pierce. Bitcoin private. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the Prime now. All right. He's... Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah, I forgot about that. Bitcoin um, Prime. Be careful of the scammers out there, people. <laughs> They're everywhere. It's funny because Rhett was around early days of Rare Pepe, and he tried to basically take it and build it on Ethereum. Like a month or two after we launched it, and we kind of just like, kind of like, like laughed him out of the room almost. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 funny how like it's a small space. Like right? you, you see the same names popping up. You see like Dan Larimer. The, yeah, yeah. There, uh, there's some serial scammers out there, and and uh, as the cycles of new money come in, there's new people getting scammed every day by the same people. Um, yeah. But let's get back to Rare Peppers. So that was something that like it turned into like a phenomena on Twitter. Like, yeah, it was it was uh, well. Uh, Chris and Josh, Bitcoin Uncensored, picked it up, John Seth. Uh, and, uh, this is what brought down Bitcoin Uncensored. It is. It is. <laughs> right? Pepe, Pepe Cash <laughs> brought down Bitcoin Uncensored, which just makes the whole thing more hilarious. <laughs> uh, I think there was there was more going on. I think that was yeah. probably just the, the icing on the cake kind of culmination thing. But uh, yeah, no, there's, it's a, there's a funny kind of like legend to Rare Pepe. And I think that, that all kind of like adds to the like the value of it mm-hmm. and that was uh one of the things i wrote in that little medium post that i they wrote was the, the re like when you collect a rare pepe you're not you're not collecting a picture on a screen you're, you're collecting a token yeah that's what it is and then my whole kind of thesis is that the picture is just that's what the token looks like right mm-hmm. so the other thing that gives it value is like the legend of it mm-hmm. so there's different pepes that are like more like like you don't know who the artist is it just shit like someone showed up made a pepe there's ones where people made them early days lost the keys so it's like it you see it like in the wallet but you can't buy it because it like doesn't exist like <laughs> or it's, it's unbuyable um and uh yeah i think that and and i see it as like it's because it exists in like the digital space um it's gonna like transform like as long as counterparty continues to run and um 
another nice thing about having that it lives on Bitcoin. You, no counterparty nodes could be running, and it's still there because yeah. um, it exists in the chain. You could just reparse it out mm-hmm. um, by spinning up a federated node. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's kind of an it's a pretty interesting thing. Uh, the rare Pepe is because um, you can create like all kinds of like you can create a game, and and there was uh, there's a developer in Japan that created this like game where you can use different rare pepes to like create these like monsters and stuff mm-hmm. and it's like so anybody can use this thing that just exists it's this like digital thing and incorporate it into their own application and stuff so it's like it has this so it can like jump stories too like it can and that's, that's why i cool. see i see a lot of value in like the digital collectible space as far as like um like game like in games mm-hmm. so yeah that's like the one a- application where like i i see it and it makes a lot of sense yeah and i mean it, like, if you think about like if you like you ever into like playing video games and stuff and there's like any kind of game where you like collect things and mm-hmm. it like um it would it, it would always like i remember as a kid it'd be like oh i wish i could like have this thing in this other game like it, yeah. and you really can do that with um uh, so i i see that like these things are valuable um more in kind of like the indie game space because mm-hmm. if, if I'm like a blizzard or I'm like a big game company I, I probably I probably don't want it open right I, I want to be able to control everything and but mm-hmm. if I'm a smaller game developer I can I can maybe leverage another developer's assets and it kind of like kind of brings us both up because mm-hmm. now it's like oh these things are more valuable I can use them in like multiple games easier way to bootstrap yeah absolutely it's fucking interesting. I never knew that, that you could like uh, apply the same assets to different games. Yeah, different I, I mean they're just it's just a token. It's just a token, right? right? So yeah, you can build your your game around it and and just and one of the other things I I did in the wallet um, is like an access control kind of mm-hmm. thing. So different uh, different creators of rare Pepe's wanted to like have kind of like a secret access. Like if you owned the Pepe, you could you could go enter it and i did it just using like message signing mm-hmm. um so basically you check the the server checks basically that the address assigned the message owns the pepe mm-hmm. and then they get access to this to the spot but people have put like um like private soundcloud links and and stuff like that so it's a, it's a just it, it's it's kind of just this thing that exists digitally so you can just kind of sky's the limit from how you could apply it to different things Damn, it's crazy. Like, how, like again, trying to wrap my mind around this. Like, it's insane. Because when I like, Crypto Kitties like really turned me off to the shit. Because I <laughs> I just see Crypto Kitties as a continuation of our conspicuous consumption, where people are just like, oh my god. Yeah, I don't I, I don't own any Crypto Kitties. <laughs> I I don't I don't know what the draw is to that. I mean, I know a lot of people are into it. Um, the the thing I loved about Rare Pepe is is is, is everyone makes them. Mm-hmm. Everyone, everyone's making them themselves. It's not just one company, kind of ma- making these things and and saying hey like here buy these. Yeah, it's just like individual people. And we have like people all over the world making Rare Pepe's. Like there's the Japanese Rare Pepe's. There's the Venezuelan Rare Pepe's. There's like the Indian. There's a, a couple guys from India that are in there that, that <laughs> made that made Pepe's. And so, so it's like. It really is like, and it was interesting looking at the analytics on the wallet because it's like the whole map lights up. Really? It's like, yeah, it's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, how many how many rare peppers are there right now? Do you know in total? Um, I think roughly. It's, I 
think it's 1700 Damn. or something. Nice. Well, and and there will be no more. So we uh, we the the scientists left the uh, left the lab. So <laughs> there, there's no there's no more new rare Pepe's. Why is this? Um, we kind of looked at it. So the way do you have to burn more? You're well, so the way the way rare Pepe's worked is it's because it was kind of an organic thing, and it's not like we don't make we being like the few of us that were the rare pepe foundation so there's like a group of like <laughs> six or seven of us that were around in the beginning and we basically as everyone started making these pepes we're like okay like we gotta like let's try to make some like loose guidelines and and i was building a wallet and i'm like i can't just put any like because pe some pepes can be pretty horrible and it's like i'm running this website i'm not gonna put that shit on my website so <laughs> um we just like developed these kind of loose rules around it and we basically cure would curate them so okay. so you they would be submitted um you'd have to burn pepe cash to submit your pepe and then it would get submitted to the foundation and then the scientists in the foundation would would make sure that it was that it was rare <laughs> and dank so um then we'd certify it and it would show up on the site um it got to be like it got to be too much we we uh we we closed down submissions a few times we reopened them again um i think like late january of this mm -hmm. year and we got like like 60 or 70 like in a day and it's like the way we have uh one of the other developers that works on it is uh he's in venezuela and he he makes like telegram bots so he's pretty good at that so he created like a kind of like a, a curation bot so i could do it on my phone and like all the ones that are submitted show up and i basically we'd say like yes or no and mm -hmm. it was like a small portion of the of us say yes then it goes in and then if one person says no then it then it j jumps out and it, it was interesting how that developed like at first it was like everyone has to say yes and it's like you got one guy that doesn't turn on telegram for two weeks we're gonna have like <laughs> 400 pepes in the queue and it just gets kind of backed up but um from that aspect it's kind of funny like it's a yeah it's a it's like a deep it's it's built on the blockchain but it's very centralized as far as the curation <laughs> and we're not i mean we're not li like we're not hiding that we're like no we're gonna look at them and if if we don't like them or they're like like some people would you'd submit like you draw it in five seconds and submit it's like okay like may maybe that is okay if it's like so shitty that it's like funny mm -hmm. but sometimes it's just shitty yeah. so like <laughs> so th those wouldn't make it in um but yeah and, and we talked about like I think we talked about shutting it down at a thousand. We talked about shutting it down at fifteen hundred, and then when we opened it back up in January, and we started getting like so many submissions a day, we just kind of talked about it. And we're like, we should just let's just shut it down. Let's yeah. just let's everything's got to end at some point. And that's not to say someone else couldn't spin up Rare Pepe Generation Two or whatever they want to do. I mean. Anybody can do what they want, right? So, but the original rare Pepe's have the, you, no longer can be submitted. The so. rare Pepe's that brought down Bitcoin uncensored. Yep, exactly. Are capped now. It's fascinating. Let's jump in. One thing we talk a lot on this podcast is meme magic. Pepe is a very powerful meme. Oh yeah, been in the news. Why? Why did you guys decide on Pepe in particular? Well, it was it was more? Uh, it was more that that, that guy. That guy, started, Mike. Yeah. He just posted a Pepe and. And I, I feel like one of the reasons it worked is because, like, Pepe is, like, the perfect meme to make, like, a digital collectible out of, right? Because <laughs> the joke around Pepe was it's rare. Like, prior to 
this whole project and everything like it would be like i created this pepe but i can't show it to anybody so it stays rare like like that was always the joke and it's been around for years and how how did do you know how like the origin story of pepe like... i think it started on 4chan mm-hmm. um and i remember hearing um because like when it came out like when hillary clinton came out and said it was a hate symbol like everybody did a you're a nazi if you like pepe yeah exactly um so um <laughs> Just for the record, I am not a Nazi. No, Um, (laughs) No, but it's no. But that's a battle we have to fight all the time. I mean, you know, not really so much now. Um, That's really died down. And yeah, we had a we had a. um, Actually, it was the Rare Digital Art Festival. um, We did in January, and and I actually I did a presentation. I did Rare Pepe Wallet and stuff. And I was I was waiting for that question. Like I I was waiting for someone in the audience to go. As like so, are, so are you like an alt right Nazi or something? Like I was just like I was like I was like here it comes like when we asked like for <laughs> questions and nobody asked. So I was like, all right, good. Like maybe that whole like thought process has died down because Pepe was around for years before that. And and the whole thing with Pepe is, it's it's a meme. You can make it anything you want. Right? So like if you want to make it a Nazi, you can make it a Nazi. If you want to make it like something. Uncle Funny. Sam, yeah, you can make it yeah, Uncle Sam. Exactly. And there are Uncle Sam Pepe's in the in the uh, rare Pepe directories. So really? There are. Yeah, there's a couple right. of them. Um, no, but yeah. No, it's interesting how, I mean, the media cycle is so quick. Like that happened. I feel like that was like a week where people were like this is all right, like alt right, like, and they try to co-opt like people having fun and and turn it against people. It's like yeah, yeah. It's 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 a shame because it's like all, what they could say is like. Like, like we don't like these, but but not the whole idea. Yeah, of don't it. paint a broad brush. Yeah, I mean, you could say like, oh, there's people posting stuff on Twitter, so like all of Twitter is bad. Like you wouldn't say that, right? So it's it's yeah, it's kind of a shame that it kind of took that turn a little bit, and in, in the early because we it started in uh, September 2016, which is right before the election, mm-hmm. and it was actually like a week after we started like making Pepe's. The whole like Pepe alt right thing came, and we're like, ah, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Pepe is just like I, I think it's it is one of like the earliest like meme like internet memes that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, that people would just like the feels good man, yeah, feels good, feels man. bad man, <laughs> the cringe, the Pepe <laughs> cringe is one of my favorites. Um, no, it's uh, interesting. So, how do you see this evolving? Digital collectibles. Where do you see it going? Like you said, indie games. Like, yeah, I think I think that's probably like a really big space for it. Like, um, I think that I think people will really start to see the value in it when when people start doing like cross game things. Mm-hmm. Um, people really haven't done that as much now, actually. And I like just kind of like. Crypto Kitties is like much as I think they're kind of lame. Like people have made like like Crypto Kitty accessories and like like other projects mm-hmm. have done it, which I also think are like kind of silly. But it kind it does show that like anybody you don't need the permission of that company to build something that interacts with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if if they start getting used more heavily for like. Um, like 
things in like uh, powerful items in games, and then other games start to to say if you have this, then from this other game, then it has this function in this game. It kind of like layer, like kind of layers that, and it, it really shows that like wow, there there is value to this because these things exist outside of the game. Yeah, you can have like a Marvel DC like collab. Yeah, anything, like, and and but you don't and you don't need permission, mm-hmm. like. I could come in as like an indie gamer and say like, "Oh yeah, this this other like pretty popular game has these items in it," and it's like, if you have those items in my game, then they do like X, Y, and Z, and then now people already have them, so now they're more inclined to, "Oh, I'll try your game because now I'm already like like leveled up mm-hmm. because I had these things because I play this other game." Yeah, it's crazy, shit, man. How how weird are games gonna get? I think the whole like ecosystem of games. I'm not a big gamer. I'm not a big like gamer myself, either. so um, a lot of this I'm kind of like just guessing. I'd say because mm-hmm. I'm not like in it, but um, I could I could really see how um, that could evolve and just be like the new norm. Like right. like you create these. Maybe not every token or every item in your game is is, is rare tokenized. Um, but a few are, and then other developers would leverage off that because it makes sense, right? Because I can instantly kind of grab some uh, like market share, not even grabbing the market share, but like grabbing users from another game and entice them to use mine because I've kind of like given them a head start when mm-hmm. they haven't even haven't even started playing yet. Yeah. Um, but the other aspect of this, um, which is kind of more from like the art side of it mm-hmm. um is digital artists now have like a way to like sell limited kind of prints of their digital art mm-hmm. um which is it's like a very abstract idea it's very abstract yeah yeah and i get it i like i i know it is <laughs> and i because the first time that i saw it, i was like yeah like like i was saying with the spells of genesis stuff i was like yeah this is stupid like i don't i don't get it mm-hmm. but you know you see it work and and once you really start thinking about it and it's like what like like say there's a painting like like the mona lisa right mm-hmm. that gets reprinted all the time but th- those reprints aren't the mona lisa right right so um i think the same idea can exist in the digital world like if the artist created this token and then sold 50 of them and you can guarantee that there's 50 and you know the artist isn't like creating more because like you can see it like this thing yeah proof, exactly this like... 50 of these were issued and then um because there's a there's a way uh in counterparty you can lock issuance so um if you were to use counterparty and create 50 tokens and lock it which is how we do pepe um you know there's not going to be 50 more there could only ever be less mm-hmm. right um which is another interesting thing because you can burn they like, provably destroy um <laughs> your tokens art. yeah which burn are, books on the blockchain yeah but but <laughs> but people and it's funny because people do that with with pepes because we we um probably i think it was like maybe 150 200 into it um submissions into the uh, uh rare pepe directory we uh people would like at first people were like i'm gonna make like eight trillion of this one and then other people would be like well i want it to be worth more so i'm gonna make two mm-hmm. or one and it was just it wasn't as fun because you, you can't collect if there's only one 
only one person can have it. So like the all the fun of it was like trading them, you know, like buying and selling different ones, like trying to like guess like oh more people are going to want this one, so I'll buy like like 10 of them and then I can resell five and like cover the other five that I bought um and so we changed the rules. It had to be between another thing, Rare Pepe Foundations, and we made the rules. We could change the rules. Um, it, it had to be between 100 and 100,000 issuance. So the lowest you could issue is 100 of your Rare Pepe, and then mm-hmm. the most was 100,000. And what people did was they tried to get around that issuance by, I'll issue 100 and burn 99 of them. Okay. Now it's one. But like psychologically, that's not worth as much as a single issuance, which is interesting. Like right, yeah. yeah. So like, you could have an or, or even the the one's kind of like a tough example because when there's only one of something, it's kind of people don't have it, so it's hard to see. Like price discovery is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had people do it with like ten. So some people would issue ten early days. We changed the rules. They'd issue a hundred and then burn ninety of them, and it it kind of started to work out that like the hundred issuance with ninety burned wasn't really as valuable like perceived as valuable as just a 10 issuance even though like it's the same thing at the end of the day there's only 10 right so it's it is kind of interesting there's a lot of like psychology and i, I kind of learned that like in doing the rare pepe stuff it's like this like blockchain and and like bitcoin and all different like cryptocurrencies it's like 99 percent psychology and like one percent right. tech like the tech enables it and you can trust it but the rest of it is just like how you perceive things. No, I've been talking a lot more about that. Like, I've been, I think this is more of a psychological game than, oh, it than a technological is. game. It really is. And you see this in meat space too, with like Supreme drops. Like Supreme just manufactures scarcity of the clothes they make and the collabs they do, and it's crazy. Yeah. Like the day they drop their new shit, it sells out in less than ten seconds. Yeah. All of it, and then you have kids waiting outside, fighting each other to get in the store to buy it in person. And it's all scarcity. Yeah. There's only so many, and you want to be the one that has it. Right. I think, and I think that's a lot of what kind of drove Rare Pepe is, is um, there's certain ones that there's a, a low issuance of, and um, people want to say they have it. Like they have it, no one else does. Are we stupid because we do this as an animal? Uh, I think there's a lot of things we do as animals that makes us stupid. Um, <laughs> I don't know if this is real high up that list. Um I think it's just kind of like human nature, right? right? Um, there's a lot of, I, and I, I, I kind of looked into it as far as like why, like why do people collect things? Mm-hmm. Like, did like kind of a little research on that just because I thought the whole like rare Pepe phenomenon was like just really interesting, right? So, um, there's a lot of reasons people like collect things. Like, like there's like nostalgia reasons. There's there's all there's all sorts of reasons why people would would want to collect something. Um, but and one of the main ones is is really like kind of like so you can boast and say like I've got it and and, mm-hmm. and no one else does. Yeah, um, it's like wearing your supreme hat with honor. It's like, yeah, exactly. Like yeah, wow, you got one of those. Like wow, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's uh that's something that's existed for for a long, long time, and I, I'm sure even like the like early early humans probably had their their like shiny. Shiny rocks that they collected, right? Well, shiny and big rocks. Like, that's what, like, Nick Zabo is shelling out. We've talked about that before. He talks about, like, rye stones back in, um, I forget what island it was. Pom Pom, maybe? Um, 
I remember that story. Yeah, that was yeah. the yeah. And then there was one that like uh, their currency was huge stones that never moved, and they just basically when they when they uh, did commerce with each other, they were like, all right, the stone's yours now. Yeah, or this part of the stone's the yours best. Now. The best part of that story was uh, how there was like the stone that they were like because they they would bring them down from like this mountain and they would like take them by like canoe. Across. Yeah, they would bring them down from another island and. It was so hard to transport from that other island that once they had gotten a fixed supply in, they were like, all right, this is our currency. It's sound. But and do you remember the part of that story where there was one that, like, the boat sank? And it, like, oh, yeah, yeah. It, so, that, like, this big rock that they were was going to be part of their currency, like, on the way back to their island, it, like, sank. But everyone knew it sank, mm-hmm. so... They still used that, like in their currency. It's like, and now I'll trade the one at the bottom of the ocean yeah. to you. Like that one's <laughs> yours now. Like that's how crazy it is. And it's crazy how that came crashing down. There was an Irishman who came to the island and like noticed that they were using these rye stones as their currency. It was like, holy shit, it's just limestone. Like I'm gonna go get a bunch of limestone <laughs> and bring it back and use it as money on this island. And he completely destroyed their currency. <laughs> yeah, yeah, rapid. That was like helicopter money, right? right? Yeah, and that's like. And if we want to go into like scarce money, like that's the beauty of Bitcoin is like nobody, I mean, people can create all coins and stuff like that, but you're not going to have an Irishman coming in, creating more Bitcoin out of thin air. Yeah. But I, I think that's a lot of the reason why like altcoins work, like is because like people believe in them. Yeah. Cause that like, like I don't, do people believe in them or they like to speculate? I think it's both. Right. Yeah. Um, I think they're really, I mean, if you're a developer and you're you're building on an altcoin, you altcoin, you have to have some sort of belief in it, right? Because yeah. you're spending your time. You got skin in the game. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I really think like if you have a, the core of the people building around this thing that believe in it, mm-hmm. and then people kind of believe in them, mm-hmm. that's that's the like psychology. So like to get back to like when we we're talking about EOS, like it takes all the like security considerations and throws them out the window for Bitcoin. But if people believe in it, then it could work. So it's like, <laughs> I don't know. And, and I kind of like, I did the like altcoin thing like early on 2013, 2014. Then there was like the altcoin like Armageddon, right? Where everything crashed. The nuclear winner. Yeah. Um, and I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm done with shit coins. I'm not touching these things anymore. <laughs> um, but then you see it in 2017, Bitcoin pumps and all these shit coins pump again too. And it's like, what? Like, I think most of it's because they all trade against Bitcoin. So yeah. Bitcoin pumps and obviously rising tide raises all ships. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if really, if enough people believe in it, <laughs> it could work. And as long as the software works, and it's this thing with Rare Pepe, is like early on when I was like building out the wallet, I was, I go, I, I need to make these things look like trading cards. Mm-hmm. So like, they look like trading cards, and I even like put a little like CSS animation where you can like click on them and they flip around. So it's like you even get a better idea. Like, oh yeah, they're trading cards. They, they look. I can flip. Look, I, can, two I can flip them around. I can do it, and it it really helps you to it helps people to believe in. It. Like these are yeah, they're real things. I can see them on the site. It's like, it's, it's real. Like mm-hmm. so, it, that's where like the psychology comes in. And and um, I mean, from a security point of view, I think most altcoins are probably like doomed in the end yeah um but if they if if i mean you see hard forks and stuff and people just just okay we'll do the new one now yeah like yeah i don't know 
I always have this conversation. I always ask this question to people, like, how long does it go on before people are finally just like, all right, enough is enough. There's always going to be a new, shinier altcoin. Like, that's what people don't realize, like, coming in today. Like, oh, my God, this is so much better than Bitcoin. I'm like, there's been five iterations of this shit coin like, oh, yeah, yeah. in the past. Like, there's always going to be a shinier coin that can do better. And like you said, I think it's going to come down to security at the end of the day. And it's really going to be, like, how much energy is expended on these chains. And obviously, Bitcoin, far and away, is the most hash power. And yeah, but that's where you see like proof of stake coins like working, and proof of stake is crazy. Like because you have to trust the existing nodes that they're giving you the real chain. Yeah, and that's like I think a lot of people don't realize like that's the difference between proof of work and proof of stake. Like proof of work, I could come in not knowing anything, mm-hmm. and I just find the chain with the most work, the longest chain with the most work, and that's the right one. But with proof of stake, you have to ask the current nodes on the network like what's the longest chain and then hope that they give it to you right right um and so theoretically like that shouldn't work but it does i mean it is it, or it has it, it has, has worked, worked up till it now so it doesn't and yeah, it's like exactly it's a non-starter though for me because it's like satoshi specifically used proof of work because proof of stake was a non-starter for him as well like what we're seeing a lot today is like people are like oh my god no we need to go back to proof of stake but it's like this problem's been worked out well it's energy Um, efficient oh (laughs) we're saving the world that's right we're saving the world um and that's uh, i fucking hate that argument like people don't people don't realize like especially like the ethereum crowd it's like we're gonna say it's more environmentally friendly like the energy that bitcoin expends like would be wasted anyway yeah it's and it and has a lot of value. I know, I know I listened to a couple, I think one or two of your p- podcasts ago, we were talking about um, like using basically like having like mobile like crypto miners, right? Could, like, and I actually, um, I'm a mechanical engineer like by trade, and uh, the first job I had, I worked in um, power plants, so. I actually like my job was basically when the power plants were down for an outage, I would go and inspect different equipment, make sure they could turn it back on and be safe. Um, but th- power plants do have a problem where there's times where like they have excess energy and there's a lot of, of work that's gone into like storage solutions. Um, but if if they just like were like, oh, we can just anytime we have extra energy. We just mine Bitcoin. Like, that really is a solution. Like, right. like now they can make money when they have extra energy, and they don't need to, like, try to store it where, like, you're only going to get, like, 80%, 75% efficiency in storage. Um, and a lot of the storage solutions don't work. I mean, there's crazy storage solutions for energy. Like, there's, there's a solution I saw where, um, and a lot of it is renewables, right? Because mm-hmm. um, people... Like, you get the peak times, like, 5, 6 o'clock, right? Everyone's getting home. Everyone's turning their lights on. Everyone's doing that. That's where you get the peaks. But, like, for solar and stuff, you're getting the most energy, like, earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. You're not – there's not as much of a demand for it. So um, there's techniques where they, like, pump water up a hill with their excess energy. And then when they're producing less energy and they need – but they need more. There's more demand. They let the water back down the hill – to like spin a turbine, like, Holy like shit. Cra- yeah, crazy stuff like that. And I saw another one where it's it's like a little train car that they like pull up a hill, and then as it comes back down, like it basically just use gravity, right? Mm-hmm. Like because now you have more potential energy because it's higher up. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, there's cr- like crazy like mechanical solutions that that have like horrible efficiencies, right? That you get like maybe thirty percent of the energy that was expended, you get back. Mm-hmm. Um, but something like 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 that could be the thing that like really brings like really like moons Bitcoin like and in another cycle. Like if these power companies, because like that's a lot lot of money. Like I would go into plants if they're shut down, they're losing millions of dollars a day when they're not running. Mm-hmm. So like. If they're running and they're producing extra energy, that it could be like huge amounts of extra energy that they just need to like burn, but they can burn it and like turn it into and print money at the right? same time. Yeah, it's crazy. And I like so that kind of stuff. Like I think proof of work has a lot of advantages that are kind of like unrealized yet. Yeah. How do we how do we get people away from this meme that like proof of work is going to kill, going to destroy the world? I, I Do you mean, know Bitcoin expends more energy than Ireland? <laughs> or was it Denmark, I think? Is Denmark, it? I think it might be Ireland, too, now. It's, or maybe both. But the argument, like, people make that argument. It's like, do you realize how much energy is wasted on our traditional banking system? Like, the buildings created, people commuting to and from work, like, the paper wasted within the buildings. Like, the amount of energy that that consumes is probably comparable or more arguably even more well drive in any city what are the biggest buildings in the city right yeah They're the banks yeah they gotta they they, they create huge phallic structures because they have huge egos <laughs> and they want to have dicks in the sky that prove that they're the strongest people on earth you know and that takes a lot of energy but bitcoin individuals can can provide some energy and, and contribute to the system and create a financial system that's separate from the government and central banks if you don't like that then i don't know what to tell you yeah, I, I think I think the Bitcoin's just spawned all these these other things, and as as long as they work and they can get people to believe in them, they'll continue to work until they don't. Yeah. What are you working on now? Um, I'm working on parenting my two and a half month old. Um, <laughs> two and, my, and a half month. Yeah. I thought you said years earlier. Oh man. Well, I have so I have a two and a half year old and a two and a half month year old. Okay. Or two and a half month old. Um, yeah, so trying to find like. Well, congrats on being. Thank you. Um, yeah, so that's why I have a train back at eleven. So yeah. gotta head back home. But uh, yeah, I I like when you have kids. One of the things they say is like you you don't realize how much free time you had right until you have kids. Well, I didn't realize how much free time I had with one kid when I had until I had the second. <laughs> um, so one, once I find my free time, I've got I've got some ideas and stuff that I I want to work on. A lot of it kind of delves into kind of the cross. Um, like cross functionality of of these kind of like digital collectible assets, and um, hopefully I'll find some time to to work on that in the next few months. And We'd be working on Bitcoin, Ethereum, yeah, Counterparty. Counterparty is kind of my my labor yeah. of love. Um, so you, uh, Dan Anderson, he's in this city, right? He's a big Counterparty. Yeah, guy. yeah. I hung out with him yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's always at a uh, he's always at the Bitcoin meetup I go to in the city. I've yet to introduce myself. I need to introduce. myself. Yeah, you to should. Him. I follow him on Twitter. I'm. Uh, He's a he's one of like the few contrarian voices in the space that I really respect. You know, he's got a contrarian view. Would you say? I think that just the Bitcoin space, there's a lot of contrarians. It's right. when you go into these other projects that it's like a lot of hand waving and just everyone just kind of believing everything, <laughs> right. um, which is crazy. Like, and I think it's it's 
because I started in Bitcoin and I actually I got into BitShares early on because I think everyone goes through the process, right? You discover Bitcoin, like, oh, here's this other thing that's going to like beat Bitcoin, right? It's going to be mm-hmm. the next big thing. And I'm going to get in on that at, like at the beginning. Um, and I kind of got like disenchanted with BitShares pretty early on. Um, and it was because of was that. that Dan Larimer That's Dan, Yeah, that was the original Dan yeah. Larimer. Yeah. yeah. Proto, proto shares to bit shares. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny to come full circle back around to, to, to EOS. EOS. And then I'm saying it's like the perfect hedge to Bitcoin. <laughs> but um, I know. I know. I, I, it's, it's crazy. Like I find, I find it odd that I'm even saying that. But um, yeah, it's a, you see, echo, the echo chambers are pretty powerful once you leave bitcoin mm-hmm. um i think when you um i'm pretty active on telegram and different bitcoin groups on telegram and in the bitcoin groups everyone's just arguing all the time i think it's great right because yeah. someone will present an idea even someone that's like kind of respected like um there was a uh one of the rooms i'm in there, there was a debate between uh george timone who works for uh mm-hmm. Blockstream, and then and uh paul sports paul uh, sports for drive chains and it was basically Timon says like drive chains are like a broken a broken side chain and Paul saying that they aren't but but here's a thing that like if Paul came into Ethereum with that project everyone would be like oh this is the next, Let's next try best it. thing let's do it yeah yeah and and maybe it is good i, I don't know enough about it I, i'm skeptical um i need to get i need to get Paul in here we need to talk about this because a lot of people will say the the you're basically just trusting miners not to steal your money in the drive chain uh, model. Yeah, and he'll say, "Well, you're trusting miners anyway to make sure Bitcoin works." Yeah, but it's like, yeah, I'm I'm skeptical of side chains in general. Why? Um, I think that anything you want to do on a side chain, just do it on an on an alt, because the the like value with the the reason people spin up altcoins is because. Like they think their idea is better, mm-hmm. right? So why would they want to? Why would they want that to be like Bitcoin? So like, there's there's nobody. I don't see anybody rushing to like create a side chain. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a it's an arduous endeavor. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna try to do it, it's yeah. Like, and, and why? And and one of the things and now that we like Lightning is starting to develop, and we have the ability to basically do atomic swaps between. Like chains. chains, yeah. What's the point? What's the point of side chains? I don't know. I'm skeptical the, of the whole uh, thing. I mean, the point would be I'll play devil's advocate here. Um, I'd, I'd like to see side chain exper- experiments at some point. I don't. I don't think they're completely necessary. I'm in it for the sound money. As long as n- no more Bitcoin gets printed and you're able to send it in a censorship resistant matter, it's fine. But side chains, I guess the value proposition would be if you add more functionality to Bitcoin in some way. It, it, in the end, brings more value to the underlying token, yep. which makes it more valuable. Actually, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I, I I get the idea. I just don't see, I don't see why anyone would. But it, it's also a risk. Like if you fuck up the side chain, you fuck up the main chain. Who's going to put their money in the side chain? Yeah. I'm not going to. Well, you're seeing it with Lightning now. Or what is there? Like I think there's only like yeah. 20 Bitcoin on on Lightning. Yeah, right but now. even but Lightning's dip because Lightning's not a side chain, right? That's just no. like a multi sig. Yeah, like it's payment channel, right? But so, it's still an experiment. That's yeah, yeah. But I, I think there's a big difference there um, in the fact that like Lightning, you're kind of just you're just locking like your money up, mm-hmm. um, and if you do it 
I, have you experiment? Have you tried? No, I got to spin yet? up a lightning node. Yeah, I'm well, too nervous. Just, just download the Claire Wallet if you have an mm-hmm. Android uh, phone or Apple guy. Yeah, I, well, I have an Apple phone, but I have like an Android phone I use for work, so it's yeah. it's kind of nice because I can use both. Um, but they kind of structured lightning in a, in a really interesting way that I hadn't considered before, um, where you use lightning to send only, and you receive on a on-chain address. So that's how their wallet's structured. And the beauty of that is that you don't need to watch that. Like You, you don't have to worry about the watchtowers or anything because the previous states of your channel would only be more money for you. Mm-hmm. So you're not worried about someone publishing an old state because why would someone just give you more money? Yeah, exactly. So, um, but what it does is, like, for example, like one of the ways I use Bitcoin is um, I'll use it to buy like gift cards and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I have a separate wallet for that. Well, I have to send Bitcoin to that wallet, and now that's my wallet I use to buy gift cards. Well, what if instead of doing that, I just use that transaction fee opened a channel, now that's the money I used to buy. Literally, it's like I'm spending the same amount of money, but now every time I buy a gift card, I'm not paying a fee. That's that's awesome. Yeah, so it's like I when I downloaded that wallet and I started using it, like, and there were there were some bugs. I remember I actually um, actually had to tweet. I tweeted Christian Decker's like working at Blockstream on Lightning, like to like help me through it. So it's we're definitely earlier days, <laughs> uh, early days, um, but. Um, I like you can see that like I really would recommend like if you can get your hands on an Android phone to like try it out Yeah, because there was that uh Somebody just posted a video from Australia like using it at a coffee shop the eclair. Yeah. Yeah buying coffee at a coffee shop, right? (laughs) Yeah Yeah, paying I think he said he paid like a two satoshi fee or something like that which is less than a penny Yeah, and that's all just set by like Whatever whoever you're connected to right because that could be there could be no fee. There doesn't have to be a fee. It's just message passing at that point. Yeah. So, um, so you're bullish on lightning. I'm I'm very bullish on lightning. I I, and I kind of have an it like a. A different kind of take on it because I see lightning enabling, like the masses to use Bitcoin in the same way they currently use dollars. So like, so imagine imagine you and this is kind of just like, how I see it progressing and like how people could really buy into it because people don't like like non-Bitcoin people, non-crypto people, like they don't even want to talk about money, right? <laughs> right. Like they, don't question like their money, right? It's <laughs> which is a really weird thing. Like you talk about Bitcoin, people get mad. Like why are you getting so mad? Like we're just, we're just talking about like this different money, right? Um, but I see it as, as the, your, your spend only channels that you don't need to monitor. That's like your checking account, yeah. right? That's the money you're going to spend anyway. And then, your kind of incoming channels, the one you would would want to monitor, and if like the whole watchtower stuff gets realized and, and there's like trustless ways to monitor, I almost think if you trust the other side of that channel, so like you work at Barstool, mm-hmm. you get your paycheck from Barstool. Yeah. I assume you probably get a- ACH into a bank account. Yep. So Barstool also has the ability to ACH withdraw from your bank account. What? Yeah. Really? Yes. So when you fill out that form, no. What? Yeah. I never I, maybe knew it's that. different here, but I had so the company I work for. I'm, we're not accusing Barstool of taking anybody. <laughs> no, 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 no. This, no, this, this is, is just pra- no, no. This, this is, just is possible. Yeah. This is just how ACH works. Yeah. So, um, one of the things you do when you fill out that form when you start a job, if you work at a company and you get your 
deposit ACH is you kind of like give them the ability to. I mean, Access. I'm sure you could. Can they only withdraw money they put in, or can they can they, can they take? I'm from not like- sure, but I know that it's at least the company I work for. And I don't think it's unique because I, I work for a big company. It's like they do everything by the book and everything. So, um, but I had an issue where I went on paternity leave when my oldest was born, and um, they had changed policies, and and you get. Um, I was getting money through the state because they had a paternity kind of leave. You get X amount of dollars. And uh, um, the company started a program where they would pay you your paycheck, mm-hmm. um, which I just missed out on by a couple months. Got it with my second. But um, so they deposited the money and they shouldn't have. And I, I so I checked my account and I go, guys, like, this is. Um, thank you, but you're going to (laughs) realize you gave it to me eventually. I'd rather we clear this up now. Right. And they went back in and they took back double accidentally because it was, but that they took, they ACH withdrew and I didn't have to like authorize anything or sign off or anything. And it just came back out of my account. So, um, like when you, when you sign that over, at least for, for companies, um, like for payroll and stuff, there is a two there's a two way street there. Um, but it's a in my mind that's fine. It's because I know who they are. Like mm-hmm. they're not gonna t- they're not gonna just t- I'm gonna show up to work one day and like hey you guys drained my bank account like <laughs> you know like it, like I I'll go talk to like the payroll department and say hey can you send that money back to me like um, but if so if you look at Lightning in like that regard and you get your paycheck that way. It's kind of the same as what we have already in the banking system. Hmm. But the difference is you can close and reopen a new channel whenever you want. So you can like basically you can be like getting your money into a channel, your paycheck, and then settle it every month or two. Yeah. Right. And then you move money into your other like channel, your checking account. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I kind of see like and it would, I, it would almost benefit, like, if Bitcoin starts to get bigger and, and more companies start using it, like, it would kind of make sense for, like, existing payment processors to be, like, lightning, lightning, compatible. lightning compatible, right? And yeah. it's, like, heresy, right? It's, like, oh, we want to get rid of those things. And it's, like, I don't – most people don't. I mean, most people like taking out their credit card. And they – I one of the things that I realized early on with a lot of, like, um, the, like, kind of crazy ideas in crypto – on decentralized stuff is there's no decentralized customer service, right? There's mm-hmm. no like, oh, I lost my money. Who do I call? Nobody. You lost your money, right? right? Hop on Reddit and yeah. beg for money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think the general public <clears throat> wants customer service. <clears throat> I would agree. Yeah, and they need they need they want a phone number. They mm-hmm. want a person they can talk to, and they want to be able to get their money back. Yeah. Um. So I th- I I see. Lightning as a means to bringing Bitcoin into like the current like financial system, like I don't, I don't see it from like kind of like the, the like libertarian reset kind of like this is gonna destroy everything that exists. I think it will change what exists, but I think the banks are still gonna be around. Like the the whole idea of like loaning money, mm-hmm. like that's gonna, in my opinion, I I think that's good. Um, yeah. Like I was able to buy a house. I didn't have enough money to buy a house, but I could put twenty percent down, and now I live in the house, right? Yeah, I do too. I think I agree with you. 
But what I will say is like I would like to get back to a point where the base of the reserves is sound. So like you can cryptographic cryptographically prove that the bank is reserved to a certain extent, you know. They yep. have a certain amount of bitcoin that they they uh distribute loads against. So that's that's like my my biggest want here because right now the way the way the loans work, like they just print money and there's no accountability like on the back end. It's, it's, yeah, well they take in $100 and they can loan out $1000, right? Yeah. yeah. You could just lever up 10x and, and yep. nobody asks questions about it. Yeah, and I mean that's why you get the the issue the too big to fail stuff and exactly. and like the toxic assets and stuff. Um yeah, I I I definitely see a benefit there. I mean, I I think that scarcity is like one of the most important, if not the most like important kind of properties of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that it would benefit kind of the whole ecosystem, ecosystem. to like try to integrate with the current system as, instead of the idea of we're gonna like destroy the currency <laughs> which is fine whatever i mean people everyone's got their own idea but um i don't see that as a bad thing i, I don't think it's a bad thing to want to integrate with what well, we have well it could even be like a slow transition where they integrate it and then at some point we realize that they're obsolete like we we don't even we don't need the banks in their current form to do it like we can do it ourselves but the fact that they created that ability to use these technologies sort of helps in the transition towards like a more sovereign individual yeah, well, I think I think it helps it, it helps keep them honest, and mm-hmm. and they actually have to like provide like valuable services, right? right. If you can do it yourself, then they're going to have to provide provide a reason for you to want to do it through them as opposed to doing it yourself. So exactly. there has to be a value add there, exactly. Yep. So it keeps everybody in check. Yeah, that's that's I would say that's the overarching benefit of Bitcoin is that it keeps everybody in check, keeps everything fair to an extent. Um, so lightning, can you do collectibles on lightning? I think so. You can do um, like counterparty, um, not currently. There's a few um, updates that need to happen um, to integrate Segwit, and uh, we need to get. Um, so one of the things counterparty is kind of stuck on. I think it's um, 0.13 um, because BTC Drac um, used to patch. Uh, Bitcoin Core. Every time a new release would come out, he, there's an address index flag, so he'd he'd patch it. And basically, with that, it gives you the ability to pull raw transactions. I think it's like search raw transaction um, functionality. So um, that's what Counterparty uses to parse each block. Um, and BTC Drac basically, I think he's probably because he's the, the Haylong. I think doing that. Mm-hmm. So I think he's just I'm too busy. I can't do this anymore. Which is he was doing it for free. So yeah. okay, can't really complain. But he basically said, came into the Counterparty Slack and was like, okay, guys, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> like this is the last version, which is okay because Bitcoin is backwards compatible. So it's yeah. it's okay. It still works. But we need to. Um, and there's a method. There's a I think it's a trans uh, TX index flag that. Um, we can use instead of the patched version. So you can use Bitcoin proper without it having to be patched. Um, so we need to do that. We need to get SegWit um, integrated. But you can do Lightning with um, counterparty assets. But the problem is, is for like digital collectibles, especially like ones that are like really rare, like there's not liquidity, right? Mm-hmm. So like the whole idea of Lightning is is kind of like we're shifting, we're, we're shif- shifting balances, right? Well, if there's only like five of something and and you're the only one that wants to use it on lightning 
There's, yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? It's like, not really an applicable use. Case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you just send it at that point? Yeah. So, um, but some of the more like liquid ones, like, like Pepe cash, which mm-hmm. is like the, which is kind of a funny thing. Like that was the thing that brought down Bitcoin uncensored, right? The, yeah. Let's jump cash. into that story. Cause yeah, June so, Seth was pumping it and Chris DeRose did not like it. Right. Yeah. Is well, it? I think they both thought it was funny. Um, John Seth thought it was funny, and he bought some rare Pepe's because at the time they weren't that expensive. They they were on the and rare, rare Pepe's being like the original, the, mm-hmm. the rare Pepe asset. Um, and Mike, the mysterious mysterious Mike that that started <laughs> um, uh, the the whole rare Pepe thing, he uh, we we had kind of chatted about it, and we're like, we want we kind of want like a Pepe that's like very liquid, so that it can be like the main trading pair. Because then we kind of, we're not stuck to the value of XCP because that's that's kind of like the liquidity token in Counterparty, and that's mm. that's on the, and I'm talking about on the decentralized exchange, the Dex that's within Counterparty. Um, so we're like, well, let's just create a Pepe that has like a billion issuance, and it's divisible. At this point, it's like, well, what are you creating? I mean, you're creating <laughs> like an altcoin, right? At that point. Um, but it is a Pepe. Like, there is a card, Pepe Cash, and just like all the other ones, you can flip it around and you trade it. Um, and what Mike did is he just he just airdropped all the Pepe Cash to the holders of the first three Pepes. So it was uh, the rare Pepe one, um, Gox card, which is uh, Mark Carpellis <laughs> Pepe, um, and there's one called Shitcoin card. Um, which I actually I have a gift for you before I leave. It's a uh, a physical rare Pepe. So <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, and it's a, a shitcoin card. Um, but uh, so he just airdropped them. He didn't tell anybody he was going to do it. He was just like, I'm going to create this thing. And we kind of talked about it. And we're like, we can't like, like we don't want to we don't want to be scammers. We, we're doing this to have fun. Like, yeah. how are we going to like get this out? And then Mike just did it. He was like, I, I just airdropped it to all the. I didn't get that many. I had like one rare Pepe because I'm mm-hmm. like, I I need. I, I can't be spending all my. I wouldn't need to collect all these things. I can't spend all my money on the first one, right? So, um, I think John Seth had bought like thirty of them, and there is three hundred. And so I think, I think there was probably like thirty million Pepe Cash or something. And within a couple weeks, like Pepe Cash, because Counterparty has a decentralized exchange, we didn't need like my whole thing is like I'm not paying an exchange to put yeah, like, Pepe Cash on because it's not a. I didn't. I, there's no ICO. It's like we we wanted it to. We wanted to create it so it was an easy way to trade Pepe's. It's the liquid Pepe, right? Um, so um, people started trading it for Counterparty XCP, which is traded on exchange. Like it's traded mm-hmm. on Bittrex. It's, it's at the time it was on like Shapeshift, so you could quickly get through, um, get Bitcoin for it. So the value of it within a couple weeks just like skyrocketed, and. <laughs> I remember John Seth, he didn't even know he had Pepe Cash because he didn't buy any. Mm-hmm. And he didn't realize it got airdropped because he bought the Pepe's at first as like, he thought it was funny. And then he just never looked back. And then, like, I think someone in the chat probably like, you should probably check like how much you have. <laughs> and he checked and it was a lot. It was like thousands of dollars. And he's like, well, I don't want Pepe Cash. I want Bitcoin, right? <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, I th- he, which, yeah, you you it's found money, right? Like Bitcoin Cash or Bitcoin Gold. It's found money. It's like, mm-hmm. oh shit, I got a bunch of money I didn't know about, but I want Bitcoin, right? So I think he just he just sold it all. He, he, just wa- he wanted it. Bitcoin, yeah. yeah. Um, and he told everyone he was going to do it because he didn't want to like 
He's like, guys, I don't want this. Like, don't and buy I, it I think he me. even did like a live stream of him like dumping it on the market. Like, I don't want this. Like, um, and I think the reason that I think Chris got mad because he felt like, like, John Seth just like he was just done. he was scamming people at that point because mm-hmm. they were pumping it on their pot. Like, but they weren't really pumping it. They just thought it was a joke and it was funny. So then you got, then it kind of just became a thing. Like I said before, I think it was. I think there were other issues yeah. culminated to that, but that that's kind of the story where it's a straw that broke the camel's yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think there was maybe a little bit of like jealousy in that, like, like Chris was pumping it, but he never thought to like buy any, mm-hmm. and like maybe he's like, I think that could have been in there, maybe a little bit. Um, but yeah, that was that was the story of how uh, Bitcoin uncensored came down. But it, it, it was actually funny because. If you were to, there's a tell, so the Rare Pepe like trading group is kind of like exists around a Telegram group. There's mm-hmm. a Telegram group for it. And like Chris and Josh were talking about it on Bitcoin and Uncensored, but I don't think a lot of people were like getting into it from that. Like they heard them talking about it and thought it was funny. Because if you asked anybody in the room at that time, uh, like they're like, Chris and John, like who's that? Yeah. Right. So that's why like we thought it was so funny because like Chris thought like, oh, the price went up because of us. Uh, no, probably not. no, probably not yet. So I would love to get those two in the same room in this studio, hash it out. <laughs> Talk to Chris. I've emailed Chris. I'd like to get him on here, just because I like his interview style. But like John Seth too, I'd like to get him on as well. Yeah, if you yeah. can help out at all, let me know. Yeah, well, I'll t- I can I can send Josh a message. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there anything else that like interests you in this space? What are you most excited for right now? I'm, I'm kind of just excited to see where uh, lightning is kind of like is very exciting to me. Um, yeah. I'd like to see how that kind of develops and how those those wallets develop. Do you think there's do you think there will come a time where like people don't even interact with like main chain Bitcoin and just like open up channel? Like, do you need Bitcoin to open up a channel or can somebody open up a channel for you? Yeah, I, I've read a couple things. Um, there was a, a post I saw on like channel factories where like mm-hmm. one person could create multiple channels and as long as you trust trust like that person, then like you can use your channel. Um, it kind of changes the dynamic of Bitcoin a little bit, right? Because on-chain stuff, it's like complete, there's no, there's no trust at all, right? Yeah. So with Lightning, there can be situations where there is no trust. Like if it's, a, if it's you're opening a channel, but it's send only, mm-hmm. there's no trust involved, right? Because there's a, the previous, all the previous states are better or more in your favor. Yeah. Um, but I I see like when we were talking about kind of like Bitcoin interacting with um, like the current financial system, the the one that really excites me is Cash App. Oh, and yeah. I I see that as gonna... like they could I could see them integrate Lightning in a way where like you don't really see it and you don't really know what you're using and you could almost like subsidize users to open channels like i don't know if you remember um when coinbase first came out and it was like um sign up for an account and you get ten dollars yeah i think it was a hundred dollars if you if you like bought a hundred dollars i thought like it used to be like if you referred somebody and that person bought at least a hundred dollars coinbase was giving you a hundred dollars i'm wow. pretty sure worth of bitcoin yeah so just think about that what if they were using that to send like to you to open a channel like i feel like that that could be subsidized to an extent to try to like onboard it's people. Fu- um, it's funny you bring up Cash App. We're going to have Miles Suter, uh, who's the PM on the Bitcoin team at Cash App, on the podcast next week. Nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah I'll be interested to listen to that one. Um, 
because I'm sure he's a huge Bitcoin guy, and uh, I've teased them before. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure they're experimenting with Lightning to some extent. I think it's the natural progression right. for that app. And Jack seems pretty open to it. He's calling he's calling Bitcoin the reserve currency of the world. Yeah, in 10 he's years. like yeah, he's <laughs> he's the 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 uh, biggest advocate for Bitcoin maximalism. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm excited about that. I, I think I think they're they're in a position where they can really like help to bring it to kind of the masses, um, and it would be interesting to see like using Cash App in a way where you don't need a bank account. Yeah, actually, Cash App sponsors some Barstool podcasts too. Use the promo code Take. That's T A K E, part of my Take promo code to get five bucks when you sign up for Cash App. That was a free ad. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you for educating me on digital collectibles. Yeah, no problem. I feel like I know a lot more than I did two I hours ago. I hope so. I hope so. I hope I hope I was able to bring some knowledge. This is a great conversation. You need to let me know when you come back down to New York. Yeah, for sure. Joe, where can we find out more about you? Um, I would say just just go to rarepepewallet.com. That's, uh, that's my kind of labor of love lately. Um, Go there. There's a link to the Telegram group at the bottom of the the main page. So I hang out in there a lot. Um, yeah, that'd probably be the best place. Awesome. Can we find you on Twitter? Yep. Yeah. It's, Do you uh, want people to find you on Twitter? Sure. Um, it's uh, my handle is at was that a wolf? Was that a wolf? I like that one. Um, I'm Marty Bent. You can find me at Marty Bent on Twitter. If you like this podcast, rate, subscribe, share, tell people about it. We need more listeners. We need more advertisers. Just kidding. Yeah, maybe. Um, that's all we got for this week, freaks. Peace and love. That was an awkward ending. <laughs> <laughs>